I want to welcome you to our worship service on this first Sunday after Easter. And I want to remind you, as we begin, that Easter changes everything. After all, if Jesus could rise from the dead, then what can't he do? So bring your worries and your fears and your doubts to the resurrected Jesus today. See what he can do, and then bring your heart to Jesus in worship. There is no one greater than Jesus, our resurrected King. I count on one thing, the same God that never fails will not fail me now. He won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. He's working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Hear my song, hear my cry. 
to you alone. Lay me down, lay me Dear Lord Jesus, on Easter Sunday afternoon, you walked with two of your disciples on the road to Emmaus. These two disciples did not recognize you. They could not believe in the impossible, that you rose from the dead. Lord, I confess that I too am foolish and slow of heart to believe at times, in constant need of the Spirit's ministry to free me from unbelief. Thank you for your tenacious tenderness limitless patience, and steadfast love. Jesus, continue to do for me and this church what you did for the Emmaus Road disciples. Help us to see you everywhere in the scriptures, for you are the focus, the point, and the hero of the entire Bible. May Moses' words, especially the law, constantly drive us to you, for you have fulfilled the demands of the law for us, and are now fulfilling the beauty of the law in us. Keep us clear and free from a performance-based spirituality. You have done for us what we could never do for ourselves. Hallelujah. Keep convincing us that you are the resounding yes to every promise God has made through the prophets. We crave the fulfillment of every promise about your first and second comings. Your kingdom has come. We long for its fullness. All sin, evil, suffering, sickness, and brokenness have an expiration date. Restoration and adoration, perfect relationships, and perfect everything await us in the new earth. Faith, not fear, is the order of this and every day. Jesus, give us an incurable case of redemptive heartburn, like the Emmaus disciples had. Keep pouring forth grace upon grace upon us, and work hope and greater hope within us. So we pray in your holy and transforming name. Amen. Our scripture reading today is from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through chapter 6, verse 3. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, and laying on of hands, and resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and this we will do if God permits. Amen.
One of the best things about having children is watching them grow, seeing all the little and the big milestones they make in their life as they grow older, more knowledgeable and wiser and more capable of handling different situations that come their way. With my kids, there have been many things that we have celebrated along their life together as a family. When they said their first words, when they stopped wearing diapers, when they were able to sleep in their big bed and get out of the crib. With our teen, now teenage daughter, we celebrated as she went to games and to concerts when she was named student of the month. With each little or big milestone, we would clap along with them and celebrate with them and say, good job, buddy, great work, pal. I'm proud of you, kiddo. But for each of those accomplishments, there was always an expectation that there would be a next step, that there would be growth to what they would move on to next. When our kids were infants, they learned to roll over. And I remember thinking, wow, it seems like just yesterday she was barely lifting her head up, and now she's rolling over from front to back and back to front, and we celebrated and we cheered her on. But then we expected that she would move on to the next thing. Well, now that you've rolled over, you better start scooting along. And once you're scooting along, you better start crawling and sitting up and pulling yourself up and walking and then running. So, Sure, rolling over is exciting. But if you never move past that, we know that there's something wrong because growth is expected. Sure, saying your first word is exciting, but if you only ever say that word, mom, 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 then we start to say something's wrong here, and maybe we should go to the doctor, either for your lack of growth or for our own sanity, because growth is expected. I know that's true because I read that book, What to Expect the First Year. Same thing is true when we're planting a garden. It's exciting when we put those seeds in the ground and we see those little sprouts pop up. We know that something good's happening. It's, it's worth celebrating. But if it never grows past that sprout, if it only stays there as that little tiny plant, it never grows bigger, there's never any flower, there's never any fruit, there's never any vegetable, then we know that something's wrong. We know that there's a problem. There's a correlation between the growth that we see in our children and the growth that we see in our garden to the growth that we should see in our own lives, in our own relationship to Jesus, in our knowledge and understanding of him. Each aspect of our understanding of Jesus and his greatness is something worth celebrating all along our path in our spiritual walk. But the expectation is that there would be growth in our knowledge of him, in our relationship to him, and in our own personal practices. Now, we've been focusing this year on the fact that Jesus is greater. He's greater than any priest. He's greater than any leader. He's greater than our sin. He's greater than our good works. He's greater than angels and demons. He's greater than our circumstances. We've seen all of that true as we've gone through this book of Hebrews together. And some of the reasons that we focused on as we've gone through this message together, as we've considered his greatness, center around what we talked about last week as we celebrated Good Friday and Easter together, that Jesus died on the cross in our place, that Jesus rose again from the dead to prove his power over death. And those are great things to focus on. Those are great things to celebrate. But if Jesus is really greater, then we should grow past our knowledge of his death and resurrection to deeper aspects of the faith. And, and our experiences should grow along with our relationship to Jesus. In our passage today, the author of Hebrews warns his readers about the dangers of complacency or being stagnant in their own spiritual lives. So if we were planting a garden and we saw just that little sprout and it never went past that, we knew that something was wrong. If our kids never grew past the place where they were toddlers, we would know that there is a problem. And if we, in our relationship with Jesus, never grow past our basic understanding of the gospel message, if our life never changes beyond the life of an early believer, then we know that there is a problem. So the expectation for a follower of God, a true follower of Jesus, is there should be growth. We can't remain stagnant. 
We can't become complacent. We can't get stuck in one place. We can't remain idle in our spiritual progress or or passive in our spiritual practices, immature in our spiritual knowledge, because if Jesus is greater, then we should grow. That's what I want to focus on this morning. I want to talk to you today as we look at this passage from the book of Hebrews together about four expectations of a true follower of Jesus. What is expected of us as followers of Jesus? What should we look like? That's what we're going to talk about today. On our website, hbcmanchester.org, you can find the sermon outline this morning. You can either click on the online bulletin or you can go into the sermons tab and you'll see the sermon outline for this morning. And I would encourage you to look there uh, and to follow along with us. I'd also encourage you, whether you're on your couch or wherever you are this morning, to open up the book of Hebrews and to go through this passage with us that Pastor Brian just read for us this morning. So if you look back with me again to Hebrews 5, starting in verse 11, it says there, About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Ouch. Seems a little harsh. Kind of reminds me of Back to the Future when Biff would say to Marty, Hello, McFly, anybody home? You're dull of hearing. The author is saying, you become numb to God's truth. You've become bored with God's word. You're no longer interested in the unchanging and powerful truth that God freely gives to you. You're dull of hearing. And when you're dull of hearing, you're not showing any evidence that you're truly a follower of Jesus. So our first expectation of a true follower of Jesus is that we would be excited about hearing God's truth. Does that describe you today? Are you excited about hearing God's truth? When you you hear a message from God's Word, when you hear a sermon, when you pick up your Bible and read it, when you join together these days maybe via Zoom with your youth group or with your Bible study, are you excited to hear what God is going to say to you through His Word? Does it excite you to hear from God? Well, for a true follower of Jesus, that excitement should be more than just a one-time event, more than just a mountaintop salvation experience. It's an always present opportunity and privilege. It's a lifelong thing that we are excited each and every day for what God is going to say to us. When I was in college, my girlfriend and I lived about three and a half hours from each other, which for a young college student without a car might as well have been a trip to China during a pandemic. So we didn't see each other much, and we didn't talk to each other much because we didn't have cell phones. There was no internet at that time, so we resorted to writing each other letters. Which if you're getting kind of confused at this point in the story, a letter is like a text message, only much slower. No, not like an email much, much slower. So we would write each other letters, and then we would wait two or three or sometimes four days to receive the letters that we had sent to each other. I remember going to my mailbox at my college and opening it up, and if there was a letter in there from Becky, I'd get so excited, and I'd go back to my dorm room, and I would open it up, and I would just pour over all of the words that she had written to me. Now, we still actually have those letters in a box in our attic somewhere that we have saved 25 years later, 25 years later, all those letters that we wrote to each other. Now, why did I get so excited about receiving those letters from Becky? Why did I get excited about a piece of paper with writing on it? Because those words were written by the one that I loved. I got to know my wife during that time through her words in her letters. If I didn't get excited about hearing from her, if I didn't get excited when we talked to each other on the phone, I didn't get excited when we finally met face-to-face, then you would know there was something wrong in our relationship. Well, God has given us his love letter through his written word. And if we are not excited to hear from him, if we're not excited when a Bible teacher teaches us 
about him, if we're not excited when he is talking to us through his Holy Spirit into our hearts, then we got to know that there's something wrong with our relationship with him. If we're not committed to meeting together so that we can hear from him, we know that something's wrong because we know that God's truth is exciting and we know that God's truth is exciting because God is exciting. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Thessalonica. In it, he commended them for their excitement to hear God's truth. So I'd like you to listen to what he said in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. He said, We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So the reason that we get excited about hearing God's truth is because of the source. It's from God. God is exciting. Everything about him is exciting. When I received a letter from Becky in college, it wasn't because of her great stationery that I got excited. It wasn't because of her exemplary handwriting that I got excited. It wasn't because she had a one-of-a-kind vocabulary that I got excited. I got excited because it was a letter from the one that I loved. So when we hear from God, we get excited because it is God that we love. The difference between a letter from Becky and the truth that we hear from God is that God's truth is powerful and perfect because God is powerful and perfect. That's something to be excited about. Are you excited about hearing God's truth? I'll look back again with me to Hebrews 5, and I'll start in verse 11 again. He says, "'You become dull of hearing,' For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. So our second expectation of a true follower of Jesus is that we should be eager to share God's truth. The verse says you ought to be teachers. So my question for you is, are you eager to share God's truth? When you, out of the excitement you receive from hearing God's word, are you enthusiastic to share it with others? Are you inspired in, to explain or express or declare what it is that you were so excited about hearing with those that you care about? Are you looking for opportunities to tell others the excited truths that God has given to you? That's a sign of a true believer. That's also evidence that you truly are excited. If I'm excited about something, I want to tell others about it, right? I don't just keep it to myself. I quickly go and tell others about the exciting thing that has happened in my life. I don't know about you, but I really enjoy giving gifts to people. At Christmas time or on someone's birthday or on our anniversary, I love watching people open up the gifts that I have given to them. There's been many times in my family that we've actually opened up the gifts a day early from whatever event we are celebrating because I just can't wait to watch them open it up. Now, I'm not one of those perfect people that says it's all about giving and not receiving. I get all my satisfaction just from watching them open gifts. No, I like receiving gifts as well, but I like getting gifts that are small just as much as I like getting really big and expensive gifts. For instance, my wife bought me a beef jerky of the month gift this year, and every month I'm super excited about opening up the mail and getting whatever beef jerky I get. So you heard it here. Pastor Travis loves getting the gift of beef jerky. If you want to private message me, I'll give you my address, and you can send me beef jerky in the mail. I'm just kidding. Kind of. No, I do love to give gifts to people, though. And, and as I've gotten older and I've had a family, I've gone through the progression that many of you have gone through from going about things being all about me to things being about my kids. So when I was a kid, everything was about me, right? But as I've gotten older and as I've had kids of my own, things have become all about them. 
For instance, this last Sunday, we had at my house the annual Armstrong Easter egg scavenger hunt. How ridiculous would it have been if I had run out ahead of my kids, pushing them out of the way with my own little Easter basket and grabbing all of the eggs and and eating all the candy before they could get to any of it. That would have been ridiculous. My teenage daughter understood it as well. She waited at each clue for her brothers to catch up and for them to lead the way to the next clue because she understood that she could easily just grab all the eggs, but it wasn't about that. It was about sharing. Now, if I'd run out or, or my daughter had run out and grabbed all the eggs, we would know that there was something wrong. And the same thing is true in our relationship with Jesus. If all we do is receive, if all we do is hear the word of God, we, it's taught to us, we receive, we get, and we never share it, there's something wrong in our relationship with God. We, as followers of God, should be telling others about what he has done in our life. Now, don't get me wrong. We should never stop receiving. That's the first expectation of a follower of Jesus. But in verse 12, we can see that we can't just continue on in the basics of the gospel. We need to move past that so that we might have something to continually share with others. The Apostle Paul, in mentoring a young man named Timothy, wrote him a couple of letters. We have both of those letters in our Bibles. And in his second letter, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul said this, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So God's plan in spreading his truth is that what we would hear from others, we would then share with others so that they could share it with others. And then it would multiply and it it would spread. That's what God's plan is for sharing his message with the world through us. And that's his expectation for us is that we would do that. Are you eager to share God's truth? Now look back again, if you would, to Hebrews 5 and verse 12. It says, Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. So our third expectation of a true follower of Jesus is that we would be earnest to grow in God's truth. The author makes the point here that that there's an expectation for a healthy child to move past the time when all they need is milk for sustenance to when they can eat solid food. And in the same way, true followers of Jesus are expected at some point to move past the basics of the gospel message to deeper aspects of who God is and what God does and what God is continuing to do and what our response should be to all of that. This should be a daily, constant, continual, and lifelong process of growth for the believer. So my question for you this morning is, are you earnest to grow in God's truth? Are you constantly taking steps in this process of getting to know God more and growing in your relationship with God more in this process of sanctification? Are you looking for and taking opportunities to learn more about God because you're excited to hear from him, because you are eager to share about him, and because you're earnest to grow to be more like him? Now, there's nothing wrong with drinking milk, right? We, we know that when we see a baby drinking milk, we know that he's hungry and we know that he is healthy, and that's a good thing. And there's a point in our spiritual life that the basics are, of the gospel are what we should be filling ourselves with. Paul said in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2, I fed you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. 
So yes, there's a time in our relationship with God that milk, the basics of the gospel, that Jesus died for us because we were sinners, because we needed a savior, that he rose again so that he might show the power over death, his death and ours, in order to give us eternal life. That's what we need to fill ourselves with. And it's good to note as well that, that although there comes a time for a child to eat solid food, to move on from milk, that, that doesn't mean they stop drinking milk altogether. In fact, milk is still good for them. And although there needs to come a time in our spiritual life that we move past the basics of the gospel, that doesn't mean that we don't continually remind ourselves of the truths that are found in the gospel message because those truths are powerful We need to continually remind ourselves of what God has done and what God is doing and what he expects from us. But we don't ever throw out the basics of the the gospel message. No, we constantly remind ourselves of those truths while adding depth and growth to our Christian walk. The milk is always good, though. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, verse 2, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow into salvation. So here's the point. The the basics of the gospel message are good, and we should be excited about hearing, hearing them. That's why we had our Good Friday service, that we remind ourselves that Jesus died for us. That's why we have Easter services, that we remind ourselves of what Jesus did on Easter Sunday. That's why we celebrate communion month after month and year after year, reminding ourselves that Jesus died on the cross for us. But if our relationship with God if our knowledge of God consists only of the gospel message, if, if our Bible studies never grow beyond basic Bible truth, if our church services consist only of a TED Talk, then we will not become what we are supposed to be as true followers of Jesus, and that is we will be people who grow. There's a reason why believers are called a body, because bodies grow. There's a reason why believers are called branches, because branches grow. There's a reason why believers are called children, because children grow. In our passage today in chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washing, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. This is the bottom line. The expectation for us, if we are true followers of Jesus, is that we will continue to grow. We we will look at where we are now, and we will grow past wherever we are now. And it may be work. It is work. But it's not a burden. We should be earnest to see that growth in our lives. Now, if you have children, you know that children are excited to move on to their next step of growth in their lives. Things that for us are not something that we might celebrate for ourselves every day in our lives, for them are a giant step of growth. It's say, look, I drew this picture for you. I'm sleeping tonight in my big boy bed. I went poopy on the potty. Now, if an adult came up to you and said those things, you'd, you'd be like, whoa. What's going on here? We have to move on. We move on to things like, I got my driver's license. I graduated high school. I'm going to college. I got my first job. I'm getting married. I'm buying a house. I'm pregnant. I'm debt-free. I'm retiring. Each one of those steps of growth is worth celebrating. Now, I'm not saying that we need all of those in our lives. My point is growth and maturity are expected in our lives, and God expects in our spiritual lives for us to have growth and maturity as well. Are you earnest to grow in God's truth? Now, let's look back one more time to Hebrews 5, starting in verse 14. It says there, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The end result of 
us getting excited about hearing God's truth, about us eagerly growing in God's truth, about us earnestly sharing God's truth, is that we would have discernment to know how to live our lives in light of God's truth. In other words, the more we know about God, the more we know about what he does and what he says, the more we will grow to be like him in our minds, in our hearts, and ultimately in our actions. So our final expectation of a true follower of Jesus is that we would be experienced in practicing God's truth. When we learn to know God's word and through it learn to know God, then we will become more and more skillful in practicing what God tells us to do. So my question for you is, are you experienced in practicing God's truth? Are you living out the character and the qualities and the practices of a true follower of Jesus? Are you training yourself to live in the way that God has called you to live? When I was in college, I was on my college's soccer team, and one of the things I remember most about that time in my life is that we put a tremendous amount of time and effort into getting into good shape. I remember often we would run five or ten miles in a day, not including the running that we would do during soccer practice. I remember many hours being in the gym, which obviously as you look at me, you would not be surprised today But we would work and work and work, and then we would go to practice and we would work some more. Now, why did we do all that? We did all that so that we might be in shape and we might be skilled enough to play a 90-minute game of soccer. Now, practicing God's truth is hard work, too. We can't just expect that we, if we dump knowledge into our heads, if we attend church, if we read our Bible, or we participate in our growth group, that we will be experienced in practicing God's truth. We have to, like Nike says, do it. We have to live out what we have learned. This is how Paul says it to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Train yourself in godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So on my soccer team, running was expected. Working out in the gym was expected. Being at practice and working on my ball skills and on my passing and on my shooting and on my defensive awareness, that was all expected. Paul says training our bodies has some value, but it doesn't compare to the training in godliness. Learning and practicing being more like Jesus is what matters most. There really shouldn't be one aspect of the life of a believer that we have an exemption about practicing God's truth. Not at church, not at work, not at school, not at home, not in your club, not with your friends, not with your family. God's truth should permeate every single aspect of our lives and how we live, no matter who we are with or no matter where we are. I think this time of social distancing, whether you're out of work or out of school or working from home or homeschooling your kids for the first time or working on the front lines of this whole crisis, This can be a mirror for us to see just how committed we are to follow God. Can you say that if you're honest, as you look at yourself, and as you look at this passage and this challenge that we see here this morning from Hebrews, doesn't that hit you directly in the heart? I know that it does me. As I was reading over this passage and I was preparing my message this week, I had to ask myself, how excited am I really about hearing God's truth. I had to ask myself, how eager am I really in sharing God's truth? I had to ask myself, how earnest am I really in growing in God's truth? I had to ask myself, how experienced am I really in practicing God's truth? If I'm honest with you this morning, I fall short, way short, in all of those categories. As I prepare to close the message this morning, I want you to consider that mirror for yourself. I want you to honestly look at yourself this morning. 
And I want to ask some questions, and I'm going to go along with the questions that we have following the message this morning. And I would encourage you to really ask those questions to yourself and to each other following the service today so that you might grow in your relationship with God. But first, I want you to consider, as you look in that mirror, how excited are you really for hearing God's truth. When you hear the truth that that Jesus died for you because you're a sinner, because you need a Savior, that he went to the cross for you, that he went to the grave for you, that he rose again and proved his power over death, giving you the opportunity for eternal life, does that excite you? Do you want to hear more about that God? Now, some of you who are listening here this morning have never really made a choice to say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. Well, I would encourage you now to pray to God and say, God, I want your forgiveness. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that there's things in my life that, I, that I've done, that I am doing, that are wrong. And I, I want forgiveness for those things. I want to turn my life over to you. I want you to lead my life from now on. God's faithful in answering those prayers. And I encourage you to pray those prayers now. If you want to talk to us, you can send us a private message on Facebook And leave us your number, and we will gladly call you back and and talk you through some of that stuff. But it's something worth doing, and I would encourage you to not put it off. Also, looking into that mirror, ask yourself, how eager am I to share the truth of God's Word with others? Who is it in your life that needs to hear the hope of the knowledge of God today? People in your community, people in your church, people at work, people at school, with all the fear and the uncertainty that's in the world today, who needs to hear from you that God is good? God is for them. God is with them. Reach out today and tell people the truth of God. Share it with them. Looking into that mirror again, ask yourself, how earnest am I to grow in my knowledge of God? It's really easy for us to blame our church or to blame our pastor or to blame our teacher or to blame our parents for our own lack of spiritual growth. But the bottom line is we're responsible for our own level of passion towards growing in our relationship with God. So my question is, how much do you want to grow? Right now is the perfect time for you to grow in your relationship with God, to get into God's word and and to read it every day and to seek to grow in your knowledge of him and in your relationship with him. So I'd encourage you strongly to do that. Looking one last time into that mirror, ask yourself, how experienced am I in practicing the truths that I hear from God? There's no shortage of Bible teaching and Bible knowledge today with the sheer amount of information that we have right at our fingertips. The responsibility just falls on us to to learn it, to know it, and to practice it. So how much are you practicing God's truth in your life? What aspects of your life need to change so that you are looking more like and living more like God? And when God looks at us, I imagine it's like when we look at our children. He celebrates when we take our first steps in the faith, when we're we're filling ourselves with the basics of the milk of the gospel message. He rejoices when we start to not only look to our own needs, but we start to share that truth with others, like a young toddler would start to share their toys. With each step of growth, as we start to fill ourselves with the meat of the knowledge of God, he looks on with pride, seeing us learning and practicing the truths that he has given to us. A true follower of Jesus is expected to grow. Be a true follower of Jesus today. He's worthy of it. Because if Jesus is greater, we should grow. Would you pray together with me? Father God, grow us to be more like you. Help us to be excited to hear from you. Help us to be instruments to share your truth with others, eagerly looking for opportunities to be used by you. Help us to want to grow in our knowledge and relationship with you, earnestly taking steps towards you daily. 
Help us, God, to become more and more skillful and discerning and diligent in our practice of following you. May you be glorified through our heart's attitude toward you and your truths, through our desires and our knowledge and our actions. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. storm surrounding me let it break at your name still call the sea to still the rage in me to still every wave at your name Jesus Jesus you the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, silence fear, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, breathe, call these bones to leave. All these lungs to sing once again. I will praise Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble.
So we'd encourage you guys to continue to uh, worship and go closer to God at this time uh, by discussing the questions at the end of this video. Uh, you can do that as a family, or you can do it as a growth group as well. Um, so at this time, we'd encourage you to do that. This week, we also are going to be stirring something new. Uh, we're going to have a Zoom meeting, and it'll be a time of prayer and fellowship. Um, so if you did not get an email uh, with that information of how to join, uh, and you're not part of the church email list, then please send us an email and we can add you to that list. Um, so I hope that we will see you there today uh, and have a great week.